Okay, this is our final episode. You're a returning guest. <laughs> How does it feel to be back after one only one other episode on this podcast? Very fun. Okay, that's great. Um, so th- this last episode is kind of a collage of all different last sort of forms of entertainment that we haven't gotten to, um, but that also weren't crazy enough to give them their own episode because they weren't that big. Um, so this one I found an article about BBC about email and how that's changed, and it's not inherently a form of entertainment that I feel like people would think of, but, I mean, back in the day, I, you know, used to have pen pals, and then when we switched to email, I did the same thing in school, I had a pen pal, and then before, you know social media was widely used that's how my friends and I communicated so it was used in a way for entertainment but not strictly speaking well in the way that you've just been talking about it that is a form of entertainment that expanded for me and my friends and particularly one to this day Um, It has been a primary way in which we stay connected around um, things in our lives and our children Mm -hmm. and plans that we are making together. Um, It's, it made communicating more efficient because we didn't have to be in the same spot at the same time. You know, I didn't have to call her and make sure, I mean, and I could have called and left messages and then she'd had, you know, but it just made all of that easier. And it, it did become very entertaining. I mean, I still love getting emails from her, especially on the weekend, Yeah, you know, to hear about like, oh, you know, it was Milo's birthday and we went to the park and we did this and he baked a cake and, you know, Alex and Jordan are moving in and da, 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 da. So, um, you know, so absolutely. I mean, it's, you're right. It isn't the primary function of email in my life right it's kind of just like a neutral communication medium I guess it's it's you know it's like yeah yeah I mean it's like it like I said it's nicer I mean it's it's faster than having to write a letter and put a stamp on it and mail it yeah um it's more convenient sometimes than a phone call because you know I don't always know that she's going to be there and and she's a morning person. I mean, she gets up at 4.30 in the right. morning. Yeah. And um, I'm a night owl. And so I often write her at 10.30 or 11 at night. You know, so if we didn't have email, you know, it would be much harder for us to stay as connected about right. every aspect of our lives that we're connected about. Um, oh, that's the cat. And so <laughs> she doesn't know how to email you. No, the cat doesn't. She tries every time I have the computer out, but... (laughs) I feel like email is, like, a nice, happy medium between... You're right, you don't have to be right there when it's happening, but then it's also not as long as what mail used to be, so it's... I feel like there's more wiggle room in terms of... I mean, I guess this is good and bad. It's like, I could send an email out and either get a response later that day, the next day, or it could be, like, a week. (laughs) Yep. So... (laughs) Yep, yep. But it feels... The thing for me, is that it feels easier to share more information with people that I can't easily pick up the phone and chat with. Um, And the other thing that's been interesting to me 
about emails and again especially with this one friend but even with like my sister and maybe a couple of other friends too mm-hmm. um is that it allows for a different kind of processing in the relationship um, and a different kind of celebrating, you know? So it's like if I had to call you and say, hey, guess what? You know, this is blah, blah, blah. You would have an immediate reaction and it would, you know, have some time limitation mm-hmm. to it. Um, and then I, and then I would respond to it. It would just be, it's just like right there in the moment. Whereas, with emails, you know, I can share a celebration with her and she can celebrate back and I can look at it and I can mm-hmm. just be there with it for longer than I might be with a conversation. That's true. You know, or the same holds true for a, um, like if I have a problem, yeah. you know, and I share a problem with her, which is not really entertainment. I get that. So that's. But I mean, I think but, the form of communication, I think what can be entertaining about it too is. Because obviously there's different, like, rules that we use in language when you're writing versus when you speak. You rarely ever write how you talk. And so I think there's definitely a culture around, you know, writing emails. There's, Mm -hmm. like, a certain way. But then that can also be kind of fun. Like, I don't know. I remember when I was in school, like, young, like, in elementary school. And I would, you know, my friends and I would have each other's emails and we would just, like, quote funny stuff back to each other. Like, there's just a bigger range in, like, what you said of of what you can say and it being able to, like, sit in that moment. And so you'd quote stuff and you could, like, send files to each other back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 And we would, like, um, you know, create things from pictures on the Internet. Um, you know, it's like because when we first started emailing one another, because if you you didn't say this at the beginning, but... I am old. Um, <laughs> well, I was so, going to let you address that on your own. <laughs> so it just means I go really far back with this n- newness of technology. Um, but I mean, like one of the things that's fun now is that we can send pictures, mm-hmm. you know, and you couldn't do that in the beginning when email first started, but we could go to files on the internet and yeah. then send each other pictures or send pictures for the kids, right? you know, and so that was... Uh, you know that was entertaining it was fun right to do so yeah know. there's a there's a, I mean I don't see much of my extended family but we do have like an email chain with each other so I guess in that sense especially if you're not as close with certain people like it's not your everyday day like with your friend that you email almost quite frequently right. but it's like you can it's more of a distant way to stay in touch but it's just enough to still feel like you're a part of somebody else's life yep Yep. So, and that was especially true. I mean, I know that we'll get to this at some point in this podcast, but that was especially true for email prior to other kinds of social media yeah. apps and stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah. Very cool. So, now this next part is about sports cuz that's a huge portion of entertainment for the masses globally and in and in America. Um and so the main ways that I feel like the internet and technology has done for sports has made it more accessible on a deeper level. Because, like, before the internet, it's like you could either you could go to games in person or you could hear about them on the news or you could listen to them on the radio. But then, or I guess you could, like, watch them on TV. But I guess there's just a, an increased level of 
interactiveness when it comes with the internet. Like, the streaming and the playback, the real-time streaming and the real-time, like, playbacks of what just happened and the real-time analysis of what's happening. And then, I don't know, I just feel like it's made that whole experience of watching and experiencing sports so much greater. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge sports person, and I don't take advantage of sports on the internet all that much. Um, but for the people that I know who do, you're right. I mean, it's like the amount of information yeah. and the the level at which you can get into a particular sport because of the internet now is so much easier for people. You know, right. you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to go, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, wow. You know, and even... I have another friend who's really into the history of sports. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he just spends hours and hours looking at old games Mm -hmm. or researching, you know, life facts about a certain coach or a certain player or something like that. And all of that has been made so much easier. It's accessible. What you said about being able to look back at, Old clips, I think, is something that I hadn't even thought about, was not only are you being able to see things that are happening in the present or that will happen, but you have then this, like, retroactive archive of, like, everything that happened before that, which normally you wouldn't have been able to do. You'd either have to, like, go out and try to find, like, physical copies if somebody decided to record it, or you would have just had to, like, be there while it was happening. Yeah, 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 so... Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I think sports in general hasn't changed as much. I mean, I feel like the just the the connection to many people has increased. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next thing on our list here is we, we sort of have been talking <laughs> about um, social media throughout all of these episodes, but I feel like it was important to sort of point you know, a direct finger at it and be like, well, this is a new form of technology that has now, is now being used for all kinds of entertainment purposes and all kinds of other purposes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, and one of the things that has happened now, at least in, in my life, you know, and in the, time that I've been using Facebook. Um, you know, at first it seemed like, wow, just a really great way to keep in touch with my family who's far away. Right. You know, or friends who are far away. Um, but now, like the use of Facebook is so prevalent that two of the businesses that I'm involved with actually have classes about how to use Facebook to run your business and to build your business. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know? I mean, it's like, that's not why I got connected to Facebook, but that's the new reality. It's like that it has become a huge business. Yeah. As you know. And there's such a particular point in time. I think one of the most interesting trends about doing all this research about all these different forms of entertainment is even if the technology was kind of, um, accessible well it was present sort of in the 90s late 90s but it all blew up 
pretty much all at the same time in the very beginning of the 2000s. Huh. Because it's, like, all the graphs that I've looked at, it's, like, anywhere between 2000 to 2006, that's when, like, stuff really, that was the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it just skyrockets from there. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm, I'm looking at your graph, and you have, you know, Facebook was up at the top, and then you have YouTube on there. And, you know, um, you know I work with kids with autism, and, boy, I mean, YouTube has just become this entire phenomenon for mm-hmm. many of them, you know, because it's given them accessibility to watching things and rewatching things yeah. and controlling it, you know. But it's also interesting because it, too, like Facebook, has become a medium for business oh, yeah. for people. Yep. And yesterday, one of my kiddos was here and he likes to watch YouTube, but he understands enough about how some uh, things work on YouTube that he has decided he wants to start his own channel uh-huh. and he's going to make all kinds of money being a YouTuber. <laughs> you know, which hap- it, it really happens, happens now. Yeah, it really yeah. happens. And it even happens for kids. And he knows that. Yeah. And I mean, that's just amazing to me. It's like, <laughs> you know, as a nearly 70-year-old, I don't know how to do that with YouTube. I don't know how to make my own YouTube videos and, yeah. you know, post them and all of that. And, you know, the pandemic has, um, it's made it a requirement for some of the fe- people that I work with, um, colleagues, you know, yeah. to create videos to share oh, yeah, on Zoom sure. or, yeah. you know, another with with their clients and like, I haven't gone there yet, but that's what they're doing. And yeah. it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. The ability to instantly share content with people is pretty incredible. Also, there's a dog snoring in the background if that <laughs> gets picked up. Um, but she's a cute dog. She's a very cute dog. <laughs> well, and the other thing that's interesting to me as I'm looking at your um, graph here, you know, and you have YouTube and what's, is it WhatsApp, WhatsApp and yeah. Instagram and, uh, you know, it's also the interconnectivity now of all of those yeah. social media apps. I had a friend today who was surprised by a post that showed up on Facebook because she put it up on Instagram yep. and didn't realize that her Instagram account was connected to her Facebook account. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you can, whoa. you can make a post on one, but then have it be disseminated to all of your other social medias if you want it want it to but I think what's also been one of the most entertaining things about just just seeing what little sort of niches happen on each platform like I feel like there's a certain like culture or typical way of presenting oneself on each platform that is that is very different so like I feel like most people think of Facebook as like you know, you're connected with your friends and family and you can post stuff about your life. Whereas, I don't know, Instagram is more like aesthetic based and obviously it deals more with like pictures, whereas Tumblr kind of feels like a mixture between people just like posting small little bits of their life while also posting a bunch of memes. And Twitter is like constantly just about threads of people talking to each other constantly and getting into fights with people. <laughs> and being banned and from being, it. Yeah. Woohoo! Snapchat is like... <laughs> Snapchat is weird because I only use it to talk to a small number of friends, but I feel like the majority of people use it as just kind of... 
I don't, it almost feels more like just a thing to do when you're bored. Like, you people <laughs> yeah. can have a ton of friends on Snapchat and all you do is just, like, send them a picture every day to get, like, streaks or whatever. I don't, I I feel like an old person because I don't use Snapchat how it's probably supposed to be intended. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't have Snapchat and I don't use it, but my friend that I email with every day, yeah, she and her family have a Snapchat connection. And yeah. at least for a while... She thought it was like the best thing ever because mm-hmm. they could have this real time cool connection yeah. to one another about stuff, you know. Yeah. Now she doesn't talk about it as much anymore, but that's what you know they used it. And she was like, "No, you don't get it. It's in real time." And I'm like, "But then I have to pay attention to it in real time, and I don't have time to do that. Yeah. So how is it very? It does. It's not functional for me right. because I don't have a lot of time to just watch what." pops up on right. my phone well i think that's what again sort of looking at the differences between each platform is it it wants something different from you in terms of your level of like involvement in it so like i feel like i mean obviously the algorithm tries to get you to stay on there as long as you can possibly stay on it but you know snapchat is kind of like an immediate one and done and then you can like come back to it later and i feel like the others you kind of will post, but you don't need to constantly be interacting on it to, like, get stuff out of it. Right. Like, Snapchat is, it's very instant, and then it goes away, you know, because everything is timed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. on the other ones, it's definitely more salient. Well, and then, like, I also don't use Reddit. Um, But, oh my goodness, from what I hear... It's that's just like this plethora of information, and in a different way, it seems like than like if you just Google something, right. you know. And I don't really know, and it, but it's just like wow, you know, folks in my world are forever saying, well, because it was on Reddit. Well, in Reddit, you know, it's yeah. like wow. So that's a whole different thing too. It's just amazing how mm-hmm. they're all. There's so many. Yeah. Okay, finally covered the beast that was <laughs> social media, I guess. Uh, um, now we're going to look at books. Which oh, yay. I was actually really <laughs> interested to read this article about the New York Times, which was talking about, like, you know, whether or not physical books were going to be outdated or obsolete to the point that people just, like, won't use them at all. But this weird trend happened where it did start to go down uh-huh. with the rise of, like, ebooks and Kindles and stuff. But yep. then I think people missed the miss, the tangibleness of having books. And then, so then book kind of came back up with a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, so, I mean, that was just really fascinating because you think that it's just going to kind of be this one upward, upward, linear, exponential, whatever, but it was almost more like a, a bell curve. Like, it went up, and now it's starting and to go And now it's coming kind of down again. Well, it's interesting that that's what this article reported happening, because that was my experience hmm. as well. It's like, oh, you know, when I learned I could read books on my iPad, I thought, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and so then I started downloading books on my iPad. But I think I probably got through maybe three I mean it was that fast for me that I went nope Mm. it's like I need to touch it I like holding it and I spend so much of my time working Mm -hmm. 
looking at a screen and reading off a screen that it's so much more pleasurable to look at a real book. Right. You know, that's, that just, I feel so like that's what happened for me. I feel like for me personally, just as like a side comment about liking physical books more is I feel like I just have more control over what I'm looking at. I don't like that when you read things on a Kindle, you only get to look at like one page and you have to like go to a separate menu. Like sometimes it's convenient, especially like if I'm in school and I am either using an online textbook or a a large journal or something and you could just do like a control find, you know, and then Mm -hmm. search for whatever you want and it just takes you there. Like that's very nice and convenient and a lot of times I prefer that but when I'm just reading for entertainment purposes I like being able to just page through and flip through a book and like you know just search around instead of having it it feels very kind of like broken and choppy when it's like on a device because you only get a little bit at a time instead of being able to just like you know page through it really quickly and skim it really fast and then know where you are and what's happening Mm mm-hmm I don't know. That was just something that I prefer with physical yeah. Yeah. physical books. Yeah, it just it was it was interesting, and I, I would be interested in um, from a, <clears throat> excuse me from the research perspective to know if there is an age correlation. Mm, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like because I spent the majority of my life with paper books. Yeah, you know, with physical books, and so is it just harder for me? But then I have a sense that it might not, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Because, I mean, I do have friends that I know, you know, who are my age, who just read everything on their Kindles now, yeah. you know? Well, what was interesting as sort of like a a mini observation of that was my mom is a prolific reader. I mean, she, at any given time, she could be reading like five books at once and a few years ago, um, for, as a Christmas present, she got an iPad, and she uses it for reading now, too, but she still likes reading tangible, like, in-person books, um, physical books, so it's it's weird, because I feel like in some ways it's just um, allowed her to uh, increase the number of books <laughs> that she has going at one time, because it's now just on one device you know so she'll just there's not a stack back by her bed anymore well, i mean there still is but then <laughs> oh, well. like technically it's even bigger you just don't see half of it because it's all on you know yeah. an ipad so yeah. it's just <laughs> interesting um, i thought it was interesting the way that libraries have had to start adapting to that mm-hmm. as well in terms of like i mean i guess audiobooks have been around even longer but you know, having libraries online now. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a whole new thing, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, which I didn't even know. My mom was like, you could just get this app, and it's online. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, and the other piece that I, I don't know about, because I don't know how much this change was a result of books coming out on devices and how much of it was business kind of stuff. But, like, I miss Borders. You yeah. Know? It's like, mm-hmm. and I miss... I mean, there are still some independent bookstores, yeah, but they are they're so few. so few and far between now, yeah. and you know, and like I mean, Barnes and Noble is great, <clears throat> you know, I still like it, but now what's happened too? I don't know if the last time you went into Barnes and Noble, but it's like it's not just a bookstore anymore. Yeah, there's all it's kinds of It's a bookstore, and it's a 
game toy store. store and it's a game store. And it's a music store. And it's a, yeah. And There's it's a cafe in and, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, we don't have any specialty. You know, it's like one of my favorite things to do was to go to this, you know, little bookstore called Winnie the Pooh. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's like, it was a wonderful children's bookstore. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, you're yeah. right that that, I mean, the I only, it's definitely not as widespread. I mean, if you're going to, like, I think in Madison, there's a handful of dedicated, like, yep. bookstores that I know of. And they've been around for a long time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're going to go away anytime soon, but. A room of one's own. Yeah. I that's hope a, it's never gone. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great yeah. place. Um, but kind of very similar to that was this discussion on magazines, which kind of had something similar happen where the, you, at least my understanding based on this article was that, you know, there were some magazine titles that sort of went down in popularity, and then there were other ones that actually have been gaining traction. And I think it just has to do with how these companies are balancing, you know, physical issues and then uh, like in-person copies, but then also how they're utilizing their, their online sphere. Like I know there was, I think there was one magazine local magazine place in Madison that had to just go completely online because of the pandemic and they just completely stopped doing physical issues of their magazine. Huh. So, I mean, I I personally was never one that read magazines, but that used to be like a really big oh, thing. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and you couldn't wait for the next issue to come out, right. you know? So, I mean, and I still it's like now that I can go back into grocery stores, um yeah, you know, that's the one place that I still find myself drawn to magazines. I haven't looked at magazines online at all. Hmm. I mean, I never, I, I just haven't gone there. You know, it's like, and I would go into a grocery store and there, oh, right. there's, you know, mindfulness daily. Right, right. You know, um, I feel like much like how we were talking about in the music episode where you can be more selective in the content in a magazine, it's like it's true now since it's online. Like you don't have to buy a whole magazine to get to like, you know, one story or one, you know, mm-hmm. piece that mm-hmm. somebody wrote. You could just go on the internet and look at it. Um, but I think the they've definitely have have had been oh, words. <laughs> they've had to been creative with the marketing strategy mm-hmm. because they're they the loss of revenue in terms of sales is yeah. pretty big because on the be, internet you don't really I mean you you might you money off of ads or like sponsors and right. brands but you know it would be interesting too I, I I mean when I was younger I got like a set of magazines all the time and now I you know usually only pick up a mindfulness one if I see it in the grocery store you know at the co-op or something right but my partner um has always and continues to get Rolling Stone. Oh, sure. And so now I'm suddenly familiar with that. And it's like, I can't imagine being interested in that in the same way because of its physicality. I mean, mm. it's like the photography in it and it's and it's big, you know, yeah. it's like it's a big magazine. Right. And it's like they that part of that magazine is just the coolness of the pictures in there. Right. The stories are amazing too, but the pictures and, and you can't, it's just not the yeah. same on a screen. Like I remember in a, when I was a kid. Whereas good housekeeping, the, eh, so what, you know. 
But like as a kid, you know, people would always love to get those the nat- National Geographic mm-hmm. ones, and sometimes they'd have those pages that like fold out, you know, mm-hmm. into like a giant picture. Like those are always super fun. So I remember buying like magazines that were tailored towards kids that were very entertaining, mm-hmm. and I feel like that has just kind of shifted to like just doing online interactive stuff, I guess, but I feel like there's not that same level of, like, going to a bookstore as a kid and, like, picking out all these different magazines that you wanted to, like, flip through on your ride home or whatever. Right, right. Because yeah, now, now people just flip their kids the iPad or the iPad. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's so. sad to me, but... Yeah. Um. So lastly, I mean, we kind of talked <laughs> about this with... um the TV and movies one, and it's kind of adjacent to the social media um, topic that we were on, but just streaming in general, I felt like deserved a little bit of a mm-hmm. a touch on because it's it's the primary form that has changed almost every form of entertainment that we've been talking about. TV, yeah. movies, music, sports, everything. So we can... Well, there is no more Blockbuster. There is no more right. Blockbuster. There's we no did, more. And yeah. I did see, I can't remember where I was. Oh, I do remember. I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago, and I still saw a red box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Which I know. It's like, what? Really? You know? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's changed it dramatically. And for me, that feels very positive. Um I I will say that the one thing that's a little, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. It's like I, I have a whole bunch of um, VHS tapes oh, right. downstairs that I need to like get rid of, but some I'm like, no. And the same thing with DVDs. I have shelves yeah. of DVDs. So it's, it's nice to not have to have more stuff coming into the house and still being able to watch things that are that are favorites of mine and that I want to watch right then when you look at you know like some of the stuff with Disney and like they're taking things off it's like oh my gosh but you've got to sit in the basement well right I do but like now but not everybody does right you know and so that's kind of that's the only thing that it's like I love it I mean I really I love that we can watch so many things you know Mm -hmm. it's like I can and I have in the basement a whole set of Star Trek DVDs but I don't have to get them out. Right. I don't have to deal with the machine. Mm-hmm. I can pull Netflix up, and there they are. Right. You know, they're all there. And that's so much easier. Yeah, the ease um, of entertainment. But it does scare me that it's like, but what if somebody, it's like, I'm not in control right. of that anymore. And that's yeah. the piece that makes me a little nervous about the whole streaming thing. You well, know, it's like, well, what if I want the Lion King? And then they decide for some reason to take it off. Yeah. You know. Well, and then I think what's also happening is since it is all on this streaming platform, so you pay for a subscription and then you get access to what they have, but there is something nice and comforting about knowing that I, you know, you could pay money up front and then you have it forever. Forever, yeah. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, because everybody would get all sad, like, when Netflix would release what's coming on to Netflix and then what's being taken off. And right. that was, yeah. like, a yeah. whole thing to, like, stay up to date about that. And I think that's these money walls, and then you're right, the lack of control over what you have access to on those platforms. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out as it inevitably increases and mm-hmm. intensifies. 
Well, I'm like, the thing that is, the other thing that's frustrating is, is like, you can't just have, I mean, you can, people have, just like, I just have Netflix and Disney Plus. That's all I have. Yeah. Well, what if I want to watch Meet Me in St. Louis? I don't know if that's on Netflix. Right. You know, it's like there might be things that I want to watch that if I don't have the actual physical copy of, I don't know. And how many platforms do I need to own to be able yeah. to watch everything I want to be able to watch? Yeah, we were talking about this again in the t- the TV one, and it's sort of like we're going... The, the technology has changed, but we're going back in time because, I mean, the, you know, you used to have to pay for cable and then mm-hmm. you would have access to all this. But if you didn't pay for cable, then you didn't have it all. And, I mean, there were different things that you could pay for on your, your TV network or whatever, and it would allow you access. And it's the same thing that's happening now, except it's just on these these platforms that aren't really tied to sitting down and watching something at a certain time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, so. It's good and it's bad. Yeah. Lots of things I love about it and lots of things that are kind of like, ooh, I don't know. So. This is good. We covered a lot. Do you have any closing thoughts about the the internet at large and its role in our lives? (laughs) In terms of entertainment? What was I... I can't remember exactly what I was looking at right now. Um, and you're my memory accommodation, so you're here <laughs> with me. But um, there was a question on some social media platform of some sort that said, what do you think your life would be like without the internet and without devices? Huh. And, and you're like, oh, let me think back to my childhood. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I was like, wow, you know, there would be a lot that would be harder. Yeah. And there would be some amazing gifts and blessings. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the level of connection, no doubt, has increased to a level that, I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting. But, I mean, I do kind of, maybe it's just because you always think back into your childhood with this kind of, like, fond... <laughs> rose-colored glasses sort of things but it's like I felt like you just had a lot more presence and presence in the present like exactly because you had presence and space yeah because there was you couldn't there wasn't something to constantly hold your attention for everything that you do you you had to there were blocks of time where nothing would happen and you just had to sit with yourself and sort of you know deal with it (laughs) well and interact more with the actual world yeah. and not a virtual world. Right. You know, I mean, and as much as like, I love that I can watch my great niece Bella's floor exercise in her gymnastics competition. And I would not have been able to do that because they're in St. Louis. Right. So I love that. But it's also very easy then to just spend time looking at a device and interacting with the world through a device and the internet rather than, yeah. A real person, a real go out in nature, go out, you know, and it yeah. consumes time. It does. I mean, it just consumes it. Yep. So I, you know, for me, there are, yeah, incredible blessings, but boy, and I don't think it's just the nostalgia of my childhood, <laughs> but I think it is actual the actual 
management of time. Yeah. That is, I mean, you have to be so much more mindful. Right. And about I'm about it. I'm, I'm really thankful that I was part of the generation. I felt like I was able to pretty much complete most of my childhood without, you know, the internet being a huge factor that I felt like it, I attribute that to a lot of my ability to be very like organizational and like mindful and patient. Like I, I mean, you know this about me, like I could just sit in a chair with nothing to keep me occupied and I'd probably be fine for a couple hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yep. And it is what is. It's here. Yeah. So our, you know, our current challenge is to um, celebrate it and be grateful for what it gives us and manage it. Yeah. So. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.